Hello and welcome to the Recovering from Religion podcast. Our mission here is to offer hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. What follows is the audio from selected videos posted on Recovering from Religion's YouTube channel. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Today we have Rebecca Williams, and I'm just going to tell you a bit about her bio. So Rebecca is a licensed marriage and family therapist in California. She's the owner of Inland Empire Couples Counseling, and she specializes in helping mixed faith and religious slash secular couples have connected, intimate, and satisfying relationships. She's offering a free mini course for mixed faith couples, and we're going to put the, the link in the chat. And fun fact that Rebecca added in her bio is that one of her therapy superpowers is helping people connect across the religious secular divide. So Rebecca, thank you so much for being here today again. Um, how are you doing? How are you feeling about today's session? I'm so excited to be back. Thank you for having me again. <laughs> great, 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 great. I love that you're not just being forced to come over here over and over again That'll until the end fun. of time. <laughs> Yeah, one of the RFR volunteer positions is to head to the guest's house and kind of threaten them to, like, be on the... And so uh, we're really grateful to have the RFR volunteer who's off camera. <laughs> no, that's not at all uh, what happened. So, um, uh, Rebecca, um, the topic uh, seems to be directly attacking me because I feel like uh, I can totally relate to being a secular asshole back in my early non-belief days. I know, right? Like my part of my intro here is like a secular asshole. Is that even possible? Because we're awesome, right? <laughs> oh <laughs> but, my gosh. <laughs> sometimes we take our intolerance with us when we leave religion. Um, sometimes we consider ourselves so enlightened that we forget to examine other parts of ourselves as well. Um, and, you know, sometimes we can do the same obnoxious behaviors that religious folks do just in the other direction. So I'm here to talk about how to not do that. I love yeah, how early so you said that uh, you like you were a secular asshole in your like beginning kind of years when I feel like I can be a secular asshole like nowadays without realizing <laughs> it, obviously. But like I can definitely relate. So I'm ready to get like properly educated today. Yeah. Yeah. I use the past tense because after this discussion, I won't be one, of course. For sure. Never Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, a lot of what I'm talking about gets to this difference between like a surface level or first order change and what we would call a second order change. So, the first order change is like, well, you switched your beliefs. And so that's like more of a surface thing, but maybe the, intolerance or the, you know, thinking that you're better than other people or that, you know, better or whatever, like that deeper stuff just goes with you. And so you're essentially doing the same things just with a different veneer on it. So what I'm talking about is getting down to the, the second order thing to make us better people. And, um, I was, as I was preparing this, I thought, okay, so why should people care? Mm -hmm. Um, maybe I don't really like religious people. I don't interact with them a whole lot. Why does this matter? Um, and I thought, you know what, you, everybody who's here probably loves some faithful people, would like to have a good relationship with them. Maybe there's some cool people out there that I've heard this from my atheist friends. They're like, oh, I thought that person was really cool. And then I found out they go to church. And I was like, meh, like, maybe that person could have been a cool friend to you. You don't know. Um, we also just live in a religious world. We do. And religious ideologies drive a lot of what happens on, like globally. And what that is might depend or might shift depending on where you live, the particular little, you know, society or subculture that you live in. But we live in a religious world. And I think that for all of us to be able to advance causes that matter to us, we have to figure out how to talk to and work with religious or faithful folks. Like it really is important. Um, and if we think we're thinking about it, like this is the world we live in, the life that we have, and it's all we got. So we can contribute to making it better. Mm -hmm. And if working, figuring out how to get along with some religious folks and not be assholes to them is necessary for that, then like it's worth it. Let's do it. Yeah. And even if you're, even if your goal is to try to change their minds by being a horrible person to them, you're probably not going to achieve your goal. 
like being kind is always easier, faster way of like, you know, convincing someone that you have the right opinion or that, you know, that, that the way you're thinking is better than theirs. Uh, yes. Not to say that that should be the goal, but if that is still being a horrible person, not going to help you get there faster. You're, you're totally right. You're totally right. And I am aware that I'm holding up a mirror to us. And before I do that, I want everybody who's listening to know that I love you and I respect the hell out of you because it takes a special kind of person to completely change their worldview. It takes a lot of bravery to walk away from communities and families that are sometimes all we've ever known and to take a step that might mean, you know, complete isolation or shunning from our our family groups, realigning who we are and how we fit in the world and redefining our identity. Like that's a, that's a pretty big thing. And um, I have tremendous respect for people who have been through that journey and are here going, okay, how can I still be better? How do I make sense of this? And so I want you to know that it's like in that spirit that I'm holding up this mirror that says, I'm going to be hard honest because I love us and I want us to be our best. Yeah, I, see, I feel like I kind of went through um, uh, like a phase of first I was when I was coming out of uh, the belief system I was previously in, I was so scared. I like was very quiet and um, mostly just devoured and um, gobbled up as much uh, knowledge and education and kind of like, what is this new world? Um, and so I didn't really say much at all. But then as I began to gain the knowledge and began to kind of gain the confidence, I would step my toe out and um, gradually become more and more of an asshole over time. So that's kind of the pattern that I noticed that I, I followed uh, with my own deconversion. Sure. And then I think that we can move, lots of people move through that phase and then you kind of settle into, well, who is it that you really want to be? Mm-hmm. And what are the values that you want to live by? And that's where hopefully we'll get to to end today. Um, and I, I appreciate you bringing that up, Eric, because I think that a lot of times the the like behaviors that we would describe as being the asshole type behaviors are coming from a place where we are either anticipating that people are going to reject us, and so we're like doing a sort of preemptive strike. That's like, well, I'm going to be a dick to you before you can insult me. We just start out being kind of prickly and defensive. Um, And sometimes legitimately, like we're working our shit out on someone else. I have issues with religion. I have issues with, you know, my own trauma with how I was raised. And here's this person who belongs to that group. And I'm like working my stuff out on them, which isn't really fair to that person most of the time. Right. It's probably not the person's fault. I freaking love that. I think you nailed it. Um, That's a, a lot of some of this early discussion and kind of assholery was me trying to f- uh, figure things out, uh, like, and sort through some of my thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn it, Rebecca. Every single time you do this, this is like right off the bat too. It's going to be a good one for you, Eric. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> some of the suggestions that I have for how not to be a secular asshole are my own. Just things that I've observed from working with clients, from being in this, going through that experience myself and being in this community. Um, And some of these come from some religious people that I know. I put a call out and asked, all right, give, give me some feedback for my religious and faithful friends. What is it that we do that gets under your skin? How are we offensive? How are we, you know, intolerant or whatever? Um, and I took their answers and then I looked back over at the people who responded to my request and like every single one of them are like highly educated folks. Oh. All of them. They're kind. They're intelligent. These are people that you can, that I think you can trust as far as like the suggestions that I'm going to give back to you. I don't think they're people who, you know, have a, have an agenda, at least the individuals who responded to my request for feedback. So I'll put that out there. (laughs) Okay. So my first tip is to separate the individual from the institution. So whoever it is, Uh, that's so hard to do, Rebecca, (laughs) you want to put the whole, like you're Catholic. Therefore you have to like everything that, and, and agree with everything that the Catholic priests do and the Pope does. And 
come on, Rebecca. I mean, unless I suppose you are having an audience with the Pope, then perhaps <laughs> this this doesn't yeah. apply. Oh. But, you know, other than that, whoever the person is that you're talking to, you don't have to make that individual person responsible to answer for the entire institution or the entire belief system. Um, And along with that, don't assume that the people who are in that group aren't aware of the problems within it. Um, I have several like two Christian friends and a Catholic friend who responded with some version of this, that like, it's very frustrating to them when um, people presume that they don't, they're not aware of the problems that exist within the, within the institution. And, you know, they have their own personal reasons for why they, you know, continue their belief or continue their affiliation or, you know, whatever. But that was a, that was a thing that was important is to not, they might, they might not be right. You might encounter some people who have no idea about some of the problematic elements that exist in their religious group. Um, but you might go a long way in not assuming that they're unaware of them because you might find people who are. I think that was one of the um, biggest mistakes too I made early on when ha- having these kinds of discussions with folks was assuming that they believed in everything that um, uh, whatever uh, religion they were a part of, they believed in all of those same things. And um, I slowly, because I'm not all that smart, and it took me a while, and I slowly began to start asking them some clarifying questions um, before I could uh, fully understand where they were coming from. And that helped out quite a lot. And maybe I'm jumping ahead, but actually asking those questions helped give me some empathy for folks too. And it dropped my assholery down, my irritation down too a little bit. Right. Right. Yeah. And just like to ask with some genuine, honest curiosity that allows space for the person to tell you, they might genuinely believe the tenets of whatever faith as they're, you know, taught by the organization, or they might, they might not, they might have their own nuanced belief system. And we just don't know unless we ask. And you can ask questions that are like curious and respectful without being an asshole. I feel like that is quite difficult to do because if you're asking questions to someone about an opinion that you hold very strongly, it's only natural to be like, I'm asking you this because I want you to reach the same conclusions as I do. Um, so like, I totally appreciate that that is super important, but I can absolutely admit that that is going to be a challenge for me because. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> this is why I said at the beginning, like I'm holding a mirror up to us because I believe that we can be good, decent, honest, better people. And not because this is like easy because it takes so, like a, a real level of self-reflection and like commitment to your own principles and values to not do that. Exactly what you're saying. Right. Well, um, before you get into that, uh, the rest of the the list uh, that your friends mm-hmm. um, provided for you, like, so I'm looking at that mirror and I'm seeing uh, me being an asshole. What does that look like? Like, what are some of the signs to uh, like kind of, we're kind of backing up. What are some of the signs uh, or things that uh, you would kind of define as being an asshole? That's an excellent question. Um, I think that, it's disrespect and intolerance for other people um, and ideas. It's definitely disrespect for individuals. Sometimes it shows up as being uh, condescending, even kind of bullying towards others. Um, and so that's sort of one definition of it is maybe how we can be rude or disrespectful or intolerant of, of other people. And then there's this other part that's like where we are maybe elitist or we carry some of the problematic things that we learned in religion with us, even when we leave the religion behind. So that might be like, we take our misogyny with us. When we leave religion, we took our homophobia with us or our racism Mm. with us. And we carry some of those um, harmful belief systems and perpetuate them in secular communities where we're still kind of classist or xenophobic, Um, which some of that, we learned in religious groups and some of that is just existing in societies and we still can choose whether we want to perpetuate those or work to fight them out or root them out. Got it. Did well, I answer the question? Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of gives us a good kind of framework to start from uh, and then 
going. Yeah, I, I think it does. Yeah, the elitist yeah. and the bullying and um, disrespect, uh, uh, and then um, carrying over some uh, harmful beliefs. <laughs> right, to, right. I just happened to see a, a comment on the chat right now that I wanted to respond to about the term faithful. Um, when I originally asked my question of my friends, I used the term religious. And one of them who her response came with like, I know your heart. And so I'm not offended, but I want to tell you this. She says she really doesn't like the term religious because of all those problems that exist in organized religion. She says religious doesn't feel like it fits me and that she prefers the term faithful because she has faith in God or maybe believer would also work for her. So um, I'm actually conscientious about using that word to be respectful of my friend who trusted me with her, um, with her thoughts and her willingness to give me feedback about how uh, I said something that felt othering to her. So that's where that, that phrasing is coming from. Got it. Yeah. Um, so just as far as like those other little parts where we take sexism with us, we, you know, perpetuate our racism or classism or ableism or whatever. My, I know that RFR has done other top, other sessions that have addressed those topics. So I'll just point you to look at some of those. Um, but in a nutshell, like be humble and teachable. Um, recognize that, you know, we can be defensive when we're challenged. We can go a place, we can move from a place where we know the truth about God to knowing the real truth about religions. And there again, we're like taking that certainty or that like dogmatic view with us. And the best advice is to just like sit back and listen when somebody gives you feedback. When you encounter someone who says, hey, that's not, that's not cool. Don't do that. You're being an asshole. <laughs> don't be too defensive about it. Like be realistic about what you don't know and what you haven't experienced and allow other people to be the expert on their own experience. If they tell you, this is how your comment landed to me. This is how that looks. These are the stereotypes that you're referencing that maybe you weren't aware of or whatever you go. Okay. Thanks for telling me because there is an element of um, trust that a person places in you when they bring something like that up, they presume that you would want to know it so that you could change it. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Um, I was just thinking that most people don't usually tell you if something has hurt their feelings or you have been like a horrible person. So mm -hmm. do you have any sort of tips to like identify that maybe something you have said? Uh, and I know this can be very obvious, but, you know, uh, just for anyone who is maybe wondering, you know, does this comment that I made, was it horrible? Was it not horrible? Mm. Um, as far as like how to solicit that feedback? Maybe, yeah. Happen. Maybe if you're like confused, maybe you don't, you're not sure because sometimes we may not even be aware that we are offending the other person um, mm. because, yeah, maybe you don't speak to religious people as much or I don't know. I think that stating your intentions goes a long way, um, especially if you're going into a conversation that might be fraught <laughs> or you know that you're talking about sensitive topics. You can just start by saying, hey, I realize that I this isn't something that I know a whole lot about, or I don't mean to offend you. And let me ask this question. Please tell me if there was a better way I could have asked it, or if that's not something that's appropriate to ask or whatever. Like when you put your intention out there that you mean to be respectful, then I think people feel a lot more comfortable telling you when you've crossed a line, where if you haven't expressed that, they might just make it a calculation that like this person doesn't care, isn't, isn't worth my time, and they might not be willing to continue conversing with you. Yeah, fair enough. It makes sense. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. Um, so yeah, we talked about really listening to people <laughs> when you want to, to uh, connect with them. Um, and I think it's important to note that you might think that you know what someone else believes. You might think that you know what their opinion is. You might think that you know what their experience is, but you can't ever really know what someone else thinks believes has lived through. Um, I know even in my training as a therapist, I, right? Like I've been learning this stuff about the brain and how our brain stores and processes emotion and overcoming trauma and everything. And there's like billions of connections between the, the neurons in your brain. And there just is no way, even when you know someone really, really well, there is no way that one person can ever fully know 
what it's like to live in someone else's body. You just can't ever fully know it. So even if you have a really great idea of who someone is and what they think, you need to allow that there's some space there that you might be wrong. And even just that acknowledgement that you might be wrong in your assumptions about them, or they might be different than how you think that they are, will open the door that you can have more productive conversations with that people, with that person, that there's ability to mm. connect with them. But when you're kind of dogmatic about like, I know who you are, I know what you believe, I know what kind of a person you are, then you are, um, you know, offensive, distancing, you're an asshole, basically. <laughs> You know, it kind of makes sense too, because um, the more times uh, you're wrong and you fix it, the closer and closer you can get to understanding that person. You'll never, obviously, like you said, never get it 100%. But <clears throat> if you really want to know a person, um, uh, being wrong and being under uh, uh, is kind of a good indicator of how to adjust the model and uh, your understanding of, of a person, sounds right. like. Okay, that's cool. So there's a big benefit to being uh, humble. <laughs> if uh, and this all is kind of like uh, 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 talking about people that you uh, care about and um, uh, like friends and family that you really care about, or just even strangers on the street that you you decide to to care about too. Sure, or um, like it might be a coworker that you have to work with. And you could make your own life a whole lot easier if you figure out how to not make an enemy of that person. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my next tip for how not to be a secular asshole is to check your agenda. Um, when you're talking with someone about whatever, I'm presuming that these are someone speaking about religious things. You're talking about something that has some, you know, religious element to it. Um, if you're, if your only purpose in having this conversation or your only agenda is to just like poke holes in it, to like attack the other person's faith because you're working your shit out on them because this is fun for you or whatever, like, let it go. That's an asshole move. (laughs) I love doing that though. I, I, okay. All right. I do that. I used to do that all the time, but it's so fun. No one will want to be your friend anymore. If you're always poking (laughs) holes in things for the sake of poking holes. That's true. It's so fun. (laughs) So fun. So I look at this as like, if we can, separate the religious element from it where I have my own baggage about religion, how I think it harms society, how it harmed me, how it keeps my family away from me, whatever. If you can like separate your own feelings from the topic and let's just look at it as if this was any other topic that someone was really into like star Wars or Harry Potter or football or wrestling, or bird watching, who knows, doesn't even matter, right? Like some hobby that someone's really into. And if every time your coworkers brought that up, they're talking about football and you were like, you know, blah, 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 traumatic brain injuries. <laughs> or someone talks about Harry Potter and they're like, you know, transphobic, blah, blah, blah. Like, and like you always had some attack when a person casually mentioned the thing that they're interested in. No, that's the part of like, nobody would want to be your friend. Like, don't do that. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're not your, they're not your intellectual punching box, right? Like it's not, yes. I'm not there yes. just to satisfy your, I don't know, your debating kind of wishes, I guess. Yeah. And like, there might be a time where you're having a conversation about, um, I don't even know what the nature of God. And like, that's what you're talking about. That might be an appropriate venue for you to be like poking some holes and engaging in a debate with someone. But when people just casually mention a thing that they're interested in, like, just let it go. Or if the only reason that you're asking about that, about the thing is so that you can like, like you said, turn them into your punching (laughs) bag. Like that's a dick move. Just stop. Man, you're taking all, like my wife can see me doing this uh, from a mile away. She's like, I, I say, I ask a question. She glares at me. And she knows, like, right? She knows. Yeah, she knows. Like, knock it off, Eric. Knock it off. But, right. uh, <clears throat> My other strong encouragement here is to watch out for the times when you're being the devil's or sorry, the devil's advocate in an argument, um, especially where the, whatever the topic is being discussed is like real life and relevant and significant to the people who are talking about it. 
I don't know if you've if you've ever witnessed this happening where, you know, you might have some people who are talking about something like sexual assault, the prevalence of um, sexual assault in the workplace or something. And people are talking about like real life issues and someone else comes in and is like, well, let's just say hypothetically for the sake of argument. It's like, no, your hypothetical argument does not hold weight here against these other people's like real life lived experience. Um or, or, you know, racism or something. People are talking about where they've experienced discrimination and someone else comes in and goes, oh, well, let's just say, what if this other thing? Like, no, don't, don't be the devil's advocate and play that card when people are talking about things that um, have real life consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that oftentimes when people say, you know, the devil advocate thing is just an excuse to um, share their racist, homophobic sexist views without sounding as horrible as they would if they wouldn't say that devil advocate thing at the beginning. So I love that you said that because I've definitely seen that happening around me. I'm sure I've done it too. And it's just not a nice thing. It's just horrible. It's just not. It's just not. Again, on checking your agenda, um, you want to separate the individual from the institution. Am I, do I actually have something to discuss with this person or is my, my beef with something bigger than them. Um, and then if you are, okay. So my, my presumptions, all my stuff, my thoughts on like checking your agenda, were all like, you're probably wrong. You probably need to pull it back, but that's not always the case, right? Like if you're really trying to compromise with the other person, or you really want to understand them, like you ask those curious questions, you listen and you respond with kindness. If you want to get to know someone because they seem like they're a cool person, just like be nice or this is a coworker or someone that you have to work together with on a project or your neighbor or whatever, like it, you can don't do things that are going to burn bridges, right? Like you can still exercise kindness and respect. And, and I think that res- here's where separating the individual and the institution is worthwhile because you can respect the person. Like I respect them as a human and think that they are worthy of being treated with dignity because they're another human being. And that is different from saying, I, you know, condone and uphold their belief system. And like that distinction can be useful as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that yeah. one of the, go ahead, Amaya. I, know, I was just saying, yes, <laughs> nothing relevant to add to that. <laughs> I'm glad that you brought up, uh, uh separate the, um, uh, the person from the institution again, because, uh, you know, that's something that <clears throat> I think in the heat of the discussion is very easy to just, uh, want to make them the straw man and uh, prop them up and uh, in the place of the institution when that's just really uh, not them at all. Okay. My next tip is to treat other people with respect. Uh, we kind of talked about this a little bit already with like allowing that person to be unique where maybe they don't believe everything or the worst parts about the religion they belong to. Um, I love this example from, I can't remember which book it was. I think Braving the Wilderness from Brene Brown, where she talks about guns and gun rights in the U.S. and that she really has to work hard to carve out this space for herself in the middle, where some people would say that, you know, well, because she is a gun owner or has gun owners in her family or something like that, Forgive me, Brene, it's been a while since I've read the book. I might be messing up the exact details. But like because people think she she might say something that is, oh, well, people in my family own guns or something, that then everyone would assume that she's like pro-NRA. And she's like, but I'm actually not. I disagree with them as a lobbying group. I think that they haven't, they're not responsible in these certain ways. But if she says that, then these other people will be like, you just want to take away our guns. And she's like, no, that's not it. She has to work really hard to resist being pulled into either one of those polarized camps Mm. (laughs) Um, where what, what she's saying is something different, but people react to her and make a quick assumption by assigning her to, Oh, you must believe in one of these extremes. So my suggestion is to just like allow people to be unique. They might not be as bad a person as you think that they are. Gosh, again, separating the person from the institution. It is, it, I, I don't know if it's something that's just like easy or, or uh, innate in us humans, but at least for me, I always try to, uh, I always 
have this tendency to fight against making things either black or right or white. Um, like it's, it's so much easier to deal with things. It seems when life is black and white and uh, not um, deal with, or the, the gray areas or anything like that, or even uh, acknowledge that there's gray areas, but, and I don't know if that was something that's uh, was instilled in me from uh, my religious days or, or not. Like if it was a part of the religion, like uh, either you do this or you're going to, to hell or, or something like that. But um it is that was one that's a very big thing that I'm, I struggle with on a regular basis, even in these days of uh, such uh, political dissidence and turmoil. Um, I find myself um, not separating people from the institution at all. Yeah, I, th- I think that it's kind of both, Eric. Like a lot of us learn the black and white thinking in religion. Um, and there certainly are some religious groups that promote that more heavily than others. Um, and so that can be one of the things that we take with us when we leave religion is the black and white thinking. Um, but it also is just kind of human nature and it, and it's an easy shorthand. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, a, is it called a heuristic or something? Is that kind of what it's called? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I feel like somebody, one of the super smart people in the chat is going to clue us in on that. I'm not sure. Hopefully. <laughs> if that's the appropriate yeah. term or not. Yeah. So like along the idea of treating other people with respect is to like resist the urge for digs. So one of my friends gave this example of a public debate that was happening about, I can't even remember what the topic was anymore. And the debate was totally fine. People were respectful. And then one person was like, like it says this in the Bible and you don't even do it. Ah, and now, now, now you, that person has crossed the line and you're attacking the other person's faith and criticizing them for not following the tenets of their own faith. And so now it's become personal and the conversation gets derailed, right? Like if the person had, had just stopped at we're debating this topic we're debating, you know, I don't, I honestly, I should have looked it up <laughs> to be ready for this, but like, now we're not talking about the thing anymore. It's become personal and you'll activate somebody else's defensiveness. So if you want to be treating other people with respect, you have to resist the urge to like take the low blow when it's available, especially if you're doing that just to prove a point. <laughs> or to feel better about yourself. I, I, gosh, I was such an asshole because like I would do that too. Uh, you know, I would take the low blow if I was kind of feeling a little like I needed a shot of dopamine or points on my side or something. Um, also on treating other people with respect is to not be condescending. Um, and again, talking about the human and not the belief system, like you're not better than them or more valuable as a person. And so watch that, that you're treating the other person with respect, um, even if you don't believe, if you don't share beliefs, right? And you think your <laughs> beliefs are wrong. That's fine. You can still be respectful to them as a human and not insult them and not, you know. Be an well, actually, Rebecca. <laughs> Did you just well actually me? <laughs> <laughs> that's something that, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it's something I learned that us um, like a lot of us men do quite often to women like we and that's pretty condescending to, to uh, like mansplain i think is the term or something it's definitely a thing although i must confess i can be extremely condescending um when i think that i'm right and the other person is wrong so if i have ever been condescending to you i do apologize i know it is a flaw <laughs> something to definitely improve on and lastly my suggestion is don't trivialize sacred things And this is super hard. I think when we disagree that that thing that whatever the person or group holds to be sacred, um, especially if that was our former religious group, like, like maybe there's a, there's a time and a place that you work that stuff out, but like, don't mock the things that people hold most dear. 
Now, it sounds like you're talking about sitting around a table and people praying uh, in, in some, like that sounds like an example, like they are, the, the folks that are praying are holding that sacred, like, oh, we, we need to pray. And I'm sitting there like, this is dumb. And um, I, I'm, uh, okay, you guys pray. I'm going to stuff my face because I'm hungry. Why, why do I need to wait for you uh, type of thing? Yeah. And think like, you can look at it in a non-valued way. So it's not good or bad. It's just like you violated a social norm. And so, of course, people are going to look sideways at you. Okay. Right? <laughs> like, maybe that's okay. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I try really hard to, um, so I come from a Mormon background, right? And there's, um, in Mormonism, there are temples and there's things that happen inside of the temples and like ordinances and teachings and stuff that are there that are really, that are considered to be very sacred and very holy. And it would be extremely disrespectful, hurtful for me to go to my Mormon family members and talk out loud about the stuff that they're not supposed to talk about outside of the temple, right? To, or, to, or to make fun of those things to their face. And, and this is to people you care about and you yes, want to, to maintain a relationship. to people you care about, okay. yeah. All right. And we're not talking about like, uh, I don't know. I mean, because um, you're, you're saying like, don't trivialize sacred things. And uh, I can immediately jump to the the satire that, uh, or the drawings that um, Charlie Hebdo did in France about Muhammad, uh, the drawings of Muhammad and how not drawing Muhammad is very sacred to Islam, uh, Muslims, but um, they did it anyways. But it seems like a completely different category here. We're not talking about uh, making blanket statements or anything. This is mostly how to relate to people that you care about. Right. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. You know, some stuff you wouldn't like go to your coworker or your neighbor and like make fun of the stuff that they hold to be sacred. Like that's just not cool. And, And a part of that, I guess, is first starting to understand what is sacred to them. And I think it also comes with like, um, like to Amaya's question before about like, you know, sometimes people don't tell you when you've offended them. And so if you get some (laughs) feedback from someone who you need to work with or who lives near you or who you just care about as a person and they say, hey, could you not talk that way or say those things in front of me? Then you can choose to receive that feedback and go, okay, this is a relationship that I value or that it's at least worth keeping on the nice playing nice with this person, then I'm going to do that. Maybe because it's in my interest. Maybe because I just care about being a kind person. And so, all right, if that matters to that person, then I'll do that. It's not that difficult, really. It's not like, <laughs> I'm not trying to sound rude, but I feel like there's so many topics that you can talk about that are, don't have to be religion. Yeah. It can be just like the most pure, wholesome kind of topics that have no debate at all. Uh, why not choose those topics instead of, you know, poking at the religious belief of someone else who is not interested in debating you? Yeah. And this was where I think, again, it's useful to come back to that distinction between individuals and institutions. Because what I am not saying is that religion is out of bounds and there should be no critiques of it. And we should all like, you know, bow down and be completely deferential. That is not at all what I am saying, because I think that we should be hard on institutions. We should be use our critical thinking skills and be critical of those belief systems and analyze them and figure out whether they work for us or not and stand up for marginalized groups of people when the dominant belief system is disenfranchising people or um, discriminating against them. Like we should be hard on those bigger institutions and systems but we should always be kind and respectful to individuals. Uh, so obviously we are assuming now that these individuals, these hypothetical individuals are being nice to us and that they're not trying to engage. But what about for those people who are doing, you know, they're being assholes to us in the religious dogma and sure. doing all the things that we are trying to avoid doing, but they're doing it to us. Uh, does that give us permission to maybe be a bit... You know, are we awful with them or is that not allowed? I totally love this question. Um, I'm not going to tell you what is allowed or not allowed because 
that's like not my call to make. You have to decide for yourself, right? Um, There might be some times where someone is treating you awfully and you decide that the relationship isn't worth preserving and you want to go ahead and burn that bridge and it feels good doing it. Yeah. That's what you want to do. Go right ahead. You know, Um, there might be other times though, where you look at, um, this is how the person is treating me and I can still choose how I want to be. I don't have to treat them the same way that they're treating me, whether that's good or bad. So at the end of the day, how, what are my values? What kind of a person do I want to be? And if I react in this particular way, am I going to feel good about it? Or am I later going to regret that I said or did that thing? I think you come back to like yourself and you living your own life without regrets, you living your own life according to a system of values that makes sense to you. And that's how you choose to decide. So, or Mm -hmm. that's how you choose to respond so that you are living in a way that's consistent for you and not in reaction to someone else, whether they're treating you respectfully or not. That's what I think is going to leave people. Oh, I love that distinction. I love that distinction about um, just uh, living how you want to live instead of living a life of just reacting. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Cause you know, um, uh, I've, uh, people can also goad me into having these discussions and getting me worked up uh, as well. So it, it works both ways. And if Absolutely. I can maybe identify it in myself, I might be able to kind of short circuit this and kind of thinking uh, back through my own uh, different phases as, as I was uh, going through the transition. Um, if I had sat down and listened to this talk, I don't know if, I think it would have made me think, uh, but I think it would have been a long, uh, it would have probably shortened the amount of time that uh, I kind of was going through that asshole phase, uh, but it wouldn't have been like an immediate thing. I would have had to ponder sure. it for quite, ponder this for quite a bit. Yeah. And like, there's okay. real reasons that people go through that asshole phase because religion hurt us. We're, we're angry. We're traumatized. We, are sometimes have yeah. our whole lives and identities turned upside down. Like there's good reason why some of this stuff shows up and you can choose if that's how you want to continue to be, if that's how you want your life to always be, or if you want to try to move towards something else. Got it. Which Got I it. can only imagine it gets more difficult if I'm thinking now Christmas is approaching and obviously family gatherings are approaching and I can only imagine that a lot of people who are watching us have religious family members that they have to see every Christmas, every birthday, Thanksgiving, whatever things you guys celebrate in America, I don't know. Um, so I feel like this is going to be quite, I feel like for me it would be really, really difficult to try to be the bigger person, quote unquote, mm-hmm. if that like other religious person is like constantly saying like, you should read the Bible more, you should pray more, blah, blah, all those things. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. <laughs> Yeah. And I mean, this wasn't really part of what we had planned, but, you know, talking about the holidays, like you can decide which parts you want to participate in. If your family has certain traditions, you could participate in some of them and not all of them. You could decide to make new meaning out of the traditions that Christmas used to mean this. And now I've found that it means something else to me. Um, You could... Oh, so yeah. like if yeah. I if I didn't want to participate in a tradition, I can go to the Recovering from Religion YouTube channel and maybe watch an RFRX or something like that. Is that what you're saying? Because yes. I hear that's exactly what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, quite appropriately, yeah. we are going to have an RFRX session about holidays right before Christmas. So it. Okay, it's going to be perfect timing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like you you can decide how you want to be and what's going to be, you know, the right thing for you. And also how you want your family relationships to be like, you can set the stage for this is the kind of daughter I want to be. This is the kind of sibling, you know, brother or sister I want to be and hope that your family will uh, want to have that same type of relationship with you and be willing to invest in a respectful relationship, just like you're willing to respect them. Right. Um, because I think about something like, you know, if, if I would really like, could we please not have the preachy, let's have a lesson part of the Christmas gathering. Um, and I want to ask for that from my family, 
because I want them to respect my belief system, I have to look at, well, am I willing to respect their belief system in return? So there might be some things that you kind of put up with or just go along with because they're going to respect you in this other way. Yeah. Uh, I remember coming out of like, there, there was this time when I was transitioning out of the previous belief system where there was like this one Thanksgiving where I just, I, I was kind of in a place where I was still kind of building my worldview and I was so confused and didn't know how to react, but I didn't like the the feeling of this holiday uh, gathering. And I just was, I got angry and I clammed up and I just walked out. Um, in a sense, I was an asshole because I didn't tell anybody where I was going. I didn't tell anybody that I'd had enough, but I couldn't take anymore. I was just confused um, and unsure of myself, uh, but I, I needed to go somewhere else so I could um, not blow up and be a worse person. Even though I was like a bit of an ass or I was an asshole, I could have been a much bigger asshole if I hadn't walked away. But it was this very, this very palpable sense of incredible frustration that I was experiencing just because of my lack of experience as a non-believer um, and uh, lack of any other examples of how to deal with um, people that believe what you um, used to believe, uh, but believe what you no longer believe. Um, so I, I don't know if I felt like I needed to say that because I don't think I'm the only one who kind of experiences that experience that during the holiday, it was something that just, came up and unexpected. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't know if I handled it well or not, but it happened. <laughs> it was a, I'm going to commend you for doing that. And like, I think I appreciate you bringing up the example because maybe we should be talking about this again, not as a black or white, you either are a secular asshole or you're not, <laughs> but it, that behavior can exist on a spectrum. It was oh, yeah. probably better for you to walk out than to stay and blow up at your family. Even though okay. getting up and walking out, some people might've been like, eh, what's wrong with Eric? But and you, you might've heard some people or offended some people, but like that was probably yeah. better than blowing up at them. And at the time I, I was really hard on myself. I was thinking, why couldn't I have properly handled the situation or why couldn't I have properly expressed myself? But I just didn't have that capability uh, I, at that, at the time I, couldn't articulate what I was feeling in, in this and even why at the time. So, yeah. so yeah, I was, I was, and it was really hard on myself for it. And, and just hearing you say this, um, paying you $125 an hour for your professional um, uh, advice uh, to say this is just like, I almost came to tears uh, just because you said, Hey, yeah, you might've been the best decision you could have made at the time. Yeah, I feel like, just to echo what Rebecca said, when you were telling the story, I was thinking, I mean, I think walking away is one of the least asshole moves you can make at all, because you're not actually engaging with them. So I feel like it would have been so much more awful if you stayed and, like, be rude to them. I feel like walking away is a perfectly acceptable thing to do um, in almost any situation. Like, that's just self-care, I think. You can correct me, Rebecca, if, if I'm wrong. Oh, but Absolutely. Yeah. I think so. Um, and just to, you know, because I know you have asked for timestamps, uh, it's seven past okay. uh, when it's two in the morning here. I don't know what time it's central because <laughs> I'm off flat maths, but yes, for you to know, it's, it's almost ten past. Thanks, thanks. So there's okay, an so, asshole spectrum, it sounds like. Yes, definitely. And I think that along that, this it, it's such an important point because um, you can be kind and compassionate to yourself while you're just working on where you are right now. And maybe there's a few steps further in the direction of the person that you want to be that you can take, but like, don't beat yourself up for being someone for not being who you are. I don't know. I, I don't feel like I said what I meant to say there, <laughs> but like, <laughs> you can have goals, have aspirations, have a direction or a trajectory of growth and also be kind to yourself where you are right now and be taking small steps in the direction that you want to go to being the kind of person that you want to be. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So one of my, I can't remember. I've lost track of, of my, <laughs> um, don't assume this is pretty basic getting along well with other humans though. It's just like, don't assume 
your reasons for not believing aren't the inverse of the other person's reasons for believing, if that makes sense. Like if you left religion because it harmed you in this way, it's unfair to presume that the other person then loves and supports all of those things that you hate, right? Like they might have a completely different, unique configuration for why they believe what they do. Um, A couple other things that came up on the assumption was like, don't assume that a person has their faith because that's all they know. Maybe they have looked at lots of other options and they made a conscious choice that this was what was right for them. Like, we don't know unless you, you know, take the time to ask. Um, I heard also like, not all religious people are anti-intellectual or ascribed to far-right ideologies. And, you know, maybe we're being unfair to presume that because you have faith that you are the very worst extreme version of that, which might not be true. Right. Um, Sometimes you're going to have to let some things go. Like we talked about. Um, If it's something like a a casual acquaintance says that they're going to send you prayers all right, maybe you, you can just be like, thanks. Assume that it means that they're thinking about you or that they have compassion for the situation that you're in. Like, all right, maybe you just let that go. But it might be different if you have someone who is really close to you and knows your experience with religion and knows that you're an atheist and they keep saying that they're going to pray for you. In that case, you might be like, Hey, we need to set a boundary and talk about this and you know how it's not helpful for me, but you don't have to like call it, call it every single time someone says Merry Christmas, every single single time someone says, uh, you know, that they, that they're praying for you or something. Some of that you just, you just might need to let go. And my suggestion for you is that you might be a happier person if you can learn to do that. And where I really want to make sure that we've, we've teased this a little bit, but I'm gonna make sure that we get around to this idea that this is my last suggestion. You decide what your values are and then figure out what it looks like to live according to your values. Back to the idea that we take our black and white thinking with us. We take, you know, lots of these things with us when we leave religion. Um, We often go through a phase where we're living our life in opposition to religion. We're living our life in opposition to the values or norms of the group that we just left, where you still are essentially being governed by the norms of that group or the beliefs or the things that are taboo or not taboo or whatever, you just now are in opposition to it instead of adhering to it. But your life is still essentially governed by or, or heavily influenced by that belief system. Um, it sounds like um, the anti-life, like, uh, oh, uh, I'm against this. I'm against that. I'm, a, mm-hmm. I'm against the other thing. And uh, yeah. Um, it, when I, <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> I haven't fully formed my thoughts, but I, I can relate to what you're saying. <laughs> As yeah, you can right. tell. <laughs> Again, like normalizing, this is a phase. It's part of the deconversion process. And when you know that you're in that phase, you can move towards, I'm going to decide who I am and what I stand for. What are my values? Like, what are the causes that matter to me? What kind of person do I want to be? What really are my values as a human? And then I'm going to live according to those values. I'm going to find people who are like-minded. And when you're looking at living according to your values, whether that's something that, you know, maybe your values are things like honesty and integrity. Maybe it's ambition. Maybe you find that you really are passionate about social justice issues. Maybe your values are atheism and secular humanism, and that's fine. I'm not going to criticize you for that. You just have to decide, like, is this really who I am and what I'm all about? Or am I still living in this place where I'm in opposition to my former life? And then when you know what your values are, you might find some really cool people who you get to form awesome relationships with who are a great fit for you because you all have, you all share values. And that may or may not include people who are religious. You might find people who know your heart who are passionate about the same things that you're passionate about and also maybe have an affiliation with a religious group. And that doesn't really have to matter because these things that matter the most to you and to them you're aligned with. And that doesn't have, like I'm saying, that doesn't have to be the truth for everybody, but like there is possibility there that we could live more fulfilling lives and be our best selves 
and be able to really see and affect change in our world to make our world a better place when we can align with other good people who share our values and care about making the world a better place for everybody. That's the hope. Well, I, uh, I like that. Thank you very much for, <laughs> for this. I mean, I really, especially towards the end where you're like, don't let the, uh, the, um, uh, what you don't want, to, don't let your old religion kind of still control you by uh, being totally uh, doing the opposite of it or something like that. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, that's, that's kind of really important. Um, and it's something that I learned, unfortunately, late in life. And I could have been so much better if I had learned it sooner. But I'm really glad that I uh, got that now uh, and can uh, live a little bit better uh, going forward from this point on. So thank you so much for that. You're welcome. So uh, you got anything else? No, that was what I had what? prepared for today. Yeah, I'm ready to take some questions. That's perfect this because we have quite a list. So I'm just going to go and just ask the first question, if, if that's okay. So the first question is, and I haven't read this, so forgive me if it makes no sense. Where do you think Christians, as well as other religious groups, get the idea that secular and non-religious people and non-believers are mean, snarky assholes who have no morals and lack kindness, aka the angry, moral atheist stereotype? Okay. Um, I think that partly that stereotype exists as a fear control mechanism. Like you don't have to listen to those people because they're just angry and immoral and whatever. <laughs> um, sometimes I think that it they exist out of just fear of the unknown. Um, and if I'm completely honest, I think that sometimes when the people are in the angry atheist phase, when you've just left religion, we sometimes give, we uh, can reinforce that stereotype. Yeah. I think that some of the, um, the people that uh, we hear the most are the loud, angry people, whether it's an atheist or a non-believer, whether it's a Democrat or Republican, um, the angry people are often the people we hear the loudest and the most. And there are a ton of um, happy go lucky atheists. And we had a whole kind of uh, discussion about that with Chris Johnson and his book, a better life about like these people who are happy with their lives being atheists, share their stories. Um, but, uh, uh, and I also think too, that at times this angry atheist, this angry immoral atheist is a straw man uh, where people yes. can use, uh, use this argument, prop it up and then beat it up, beat up on that, even though it's not like a real, the real thing necessarily. Yeah. Um, all right. What do we got? Uh, man. Uh, what is the flip side of being an atheist asshole? Um, yeah. Well, uh, what, um, how can you keep the positive and kind of leave the negative? Do you have any additional uh, thoughts about that? Okay. So the question is. What, what would it look like uh, for someone who is not an asshole atheist or an asshole non-believer mm. or an angry, yeah. uh, I guess it would look like you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it would look like uh Dr. Ray and, and uh, Gail Jordan and our, our uh, former helpline director, Todd, because they're all like just fantastic fucking people. And <laughs> they get angry that, every now and then, but they're awesome. Sure, sure. And, and again, I want to like normalize that we go through these phases, right? And so when you get to the other side, you kind of decide, all right, well, what are the causes that matter to me? What are the values? What is the life that I want to live? And you figure out how to let some stuff go and how to live in peace with other people. Um, and so, you know, some of that might be, you occasionally have your snarky moments or you show up for causes that really matter to you. But I think that the other side of the angry atheist is where you're living a life that isn't defined by your opposition to religion. It's not defined by um, your your whole being and all that you're about isn't I mean, I'm an angry atheist, which again is probably a straw man, but yeah, I think it's just being a happy person, doing your thing, loving your life and being, I love and, that. Yeah. 
being an atheist is part of who you are, but it's not all of who you are. And so you're in touch with those other things too. You can have other hobbies apart from annoying religious people. Like that's allowed, <laughs> even if you're an atheist. From, yeah. Um, so someone is asking, uh, well, it's giving a bit of a background of their personal kind of story. So I'm just going to read it through. So okay. they say, I still have a few encounters with persons that I don't care about, where my desire to be a secular asshole is because I want to reject and hurt the religious evangelists because it feels good for me. And I hope that if enough atheists aggressively challenge them, they will start to doubt their imaginary views or at least be sensitive that there are a lot of atheists that disagree with them. If I approach with genuine concern, then um, I wish to challenge what they tell me. Is that rude or deceptive of my part? Mm. Okay. So if I approach them with genuine concern and then I want to challenge them, isn't that rude or deceptive on my part? Um, well, I guess you have to answer that for yourself. Are you being rude and deceptive? I mean, I, I think that it's okay for us to say these are the changes I would like to see in the world. Maybe I will respectfully push for those changes. Um, but I will tell you what I know about people and what makes people change, right? This is an area that I can speak to with some authority because that's what therapists do is we're experts in helping people change, change their ideas, change their lives, change their patterns. You don't get a person to change by directly challenging or belittling who they are and what they think. You will activate their defensiveness, their defenses, and they will further entrench themselves. So if your agenda really is that you want to see change in the world, then you don't approach it by aggressively attacking the people that that is working against your goal. And to the other part, like, I want to reject and hurt the religious evangelist because it feels good to me. I mean, you're you can choose to continue to do that. And I would encourage you to periodically question, is this the person that I want to be? And if that behavior is in line with your values, go right ahead, because you feel great about it. If you get to a point that that behavior isn't in line with your values anymore, then you can decide to leave it. Yeah. yeah and I think yeah. that um, a lot of what you were just talking about is like how to work with people that you really care about, that you want to maintain relationships with, or even want to build relationships with, not necessarily the, the stranger uh, screaming preacher on the corner, on the street corner or something. And I know I definitely got to a point where, like you're saying, the stranger, the the person who knocks on my door, the people who send me unsolicited religious propaganda in the mail. Um, I got to a point where that feels like a waste of my time. Hmm. At a certain point, it doesn't, I don't get anything out of engaging in that argument. And so it's easy for me to let it go. There might've been a point in time, or there may be a time in the future where I would gain something out of it. And I would be glad that I had the conversation. Maybe it gave me a chance to work out my own thoughts and I was glad for doing it. And, you know, personally, the phase that I'm in, in my life right now, I still have time for that. And so I go, eh, all right, I walk by, I let it go. I'll, you know, choose another battle. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, another question that was very related to this one was um, uh, coming from someone who says that they find it really difficult to respect people who kind of support certain religions that are so harmful, harmful to others um, and also to themselves. So what they're asking is how can they take it less personally when these people who are so like still so strong believers of these um, harmful ideologies, um, yeah, how can they take it less personally when they continue to support the church or system and um, yeah. How can, how can they deal with it better, I guess? That is a really hard one. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about stuff that I've seen going around with this recent election cycle in the U.S. where people are saying, like, how can you say that you love me as a maybe non-binary, not straight person, and yet you vote for people who actively hate me or want to oppress me? Like, how, how can I believe that your love for me is genuine, right? Um, or like, how can you continue to support these leaders or belong to this church that harms me and is so against me? Um, my answer to that question is like, there isn't an easy answer to it. And sometimes it's extremely painful. And sometimes the choice that, that we're faced with is... Um, 
like the loss of the relationship or continuing in a relationship that hurts us. And I'm not going to say that you, that there is a right way to go on that. Um, If the best thing, your best chance (laughs) of having a good relationship with that person, the family member um, or friends who continue to support the group that oppresses or hates you is to tell them how you feel like trust, trust your family member, trust your friend, um, trust in the relationship that you've had with them and let them know in as kind and respectful way as possible. Hey, this is what is, this is how I feel about it. This is what's really hurtful for me. I have these doubts. I wonder if you think those same, same things about me, I want you to know how harm, like how hurtful it is. It's really hard for me to understand how you could say that you love me and you continue to attend or, you know, whatever. Um, And just see what the other person says. This might be one of those times where if you've opened the door and asked the questions with curiosity, you might find your family member say something like, yeah, I actually really hate that policy. I really disagree with that doctrine. I have these other reasons that I continue to believe, but I'm with you 100%. Or maybe this is the re- this is how I'm trying to change it from the inside or whatever, right? I'm not saying that you for sure will have that um, because your family might not think that way, but those are the types of conversations where some of that might come out. Um, and no matter what you do, I would say, make sure that you find support, find other people who, who get it and can be the place that you go to the kind of place that you can go and fall apart. If these things don't go well, if you're, if you have that conversation and your family or friends are like, yeah, well, or sorry, I'm not going to change, or I believe the church and think you should change or, you know, whatever that thing is. Like if if you're going to take that on and try to have some of those conversations, make sure that you have some backup support in case it doesn't go well, because it could be really painful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like you're also allowed to set your own boundaries of, I don't want, like, if you talk about these things, then I'm just not going to be in the room. Um, Like that's allowed. Um, We have an RFRX um, video of about boundaries, which I feel like, uh, it could be quite beneficial for that. And yeah. that was the last question. So do you okay. have anything else to say uh, about the topic or any last words uh, before we, we close? No, thank you so much for having me again. I really enjoy the opportunity to come and interact with the group and um, think about some of the stuff that lives in my head and that I see with my clients, you know, one-on-one or one couple at a time or something, but don't often have an avenue where I get to talk to a bunch of people about these things. And so, um, yeah, just thanks. I appreciate being here. Recovering from Religion is a nonprofit organization whose mission it is to provide hope, healing, and support to those struggling with issues of doubt and non-belief. Hope, healing, and support is waiting for you on our website, recoveringfromreligion.org. There, you can speak or chat with a trained agent who will work with you through your struggles and doubts or to help find resources that may work for you. You can also find local Recovering from Religion support groups in your area for the long-term recovery work. Resources specifically curated for those struggling with doubts, disbelief, and trauma can also be found on the RFR website. To connect with a secular therapist in your area, go to seculartherapy.org and create an account. If you'd like to support the work that RFR does, you can donate or sign up as a volunteer on the Recovering from Religion website. It's also a big help subscribing to the RFR YouTube channel, our blog, or following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Questions, comments, and suggestions can be emailed to us at rfrx at recoveringfromreligion.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll be with us next time on the Recovering from Religion podcast.